0: welcome to the experience church podcast you're about to hear another inspirational message from pastor justina Brownlee. it's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement but a blessing to your life
1: hey if you're visiting for the first time welcome we are so glad that you're here my name's Justina Brownlee, and um, Kyle Brownlee, my husband, is our pastor here at this church. And we, not just him, we have an amazing team, an amazing staff, that, and team leaders that lead us here at this church. In fact, can you just say thank you to them? What an amazing group that God's brought together! It's a privilege to be here and some cool things God's doing here. But Pastor Kyle is actually in Fort Wayne at Elevate City preaching this morning. So if you could pray for him or Elevate City, whoever you feel led to pray for, pray for both of them. I think they know what's coming though. They know what they're about to get with Pastor Kyle. We've been in partnership and relationship with Elevate City Church in Fort Wayne for years. If you've been here for our, we're gonna celebrate 10 years. Can you believe that church? 10 years in September, really cool, really exciting. Yes, and so um, we're excited about that. But for 10 years, we've been in friendship, in relationship, in partnership with Elevate City. We've served cities together. We've gone on mission trips together. We've done freedom conferences together. And so they're like family. I think it's a beautiful example of we're not just one church. We're the big C church. We're kingdom. And the more we get to partner with one another, the greater the impact we get to have. And that's the heart here. And so he's there preaching this morning. So I get to bring the word today. And I get to bring you a message that I've been waiting a while to bring. It's been stirring in my heart. I've got to share it with the staff. I've got to share it with some of the team leaders. But the title of the message today is Live With Enthusiasm. Are you sure you want this message? Some of you are scared to death right now because you're like, I've seen her preach before and it's already a little bit much. (laughs) And if she's going to preach on enthusiasm, it's going to be a lot bit much. Yes, it is. And I'm not apologizing right now. Live with enthusiasm. Now, I don't know what that word means to you. When you think of the word enthusiasm, you might think of a personality type. You might think that's for those extroverted, crazy people. They just say a lot. And they say it loud, and they jump up and down, right? Like that's what that is. No, it's not a personality type. And, and maybe we think maybe it's just getting hyped. It's just like a hype thing. It gets us hyped up. It's a it's a hype word. And that's not it either. Actually, it's a very biblical word. And so I want to show it to you today. Now, first, let me give you the definition of enthusiasm according to Webster. Okay, so a secular dictionary says this about the definition of that word enthusiasm. It means this, strong excitement of feeling, something inspiring zeal or fervor. Here's this. This this threw me. I didn't expect this. A belief in special revelations of the Holy Spirit. According to Webster, that's the definition of enthusiasm. Now, the word enthusiasm, when you find it in Scripture, it's actually made up of a couple Greek words, the words enthusiasm. Theos, and theos. And in means in, theos means God. So, in its most literal concept, the word enthusiasm, when you see it in scripture, when you read it in scripture, it literally means full of God, God inspired, God within, or God is in this. That's what that word enthusiasm means. It's an expression of knowing God is in this. That's what enthusiasm means, according to that. So a few words that may make you think of enthusiasm would be words like eagerness, fervor, passion, zeal, energy, fire, excitement, wholeheartedness, commitment, willingness, readiness. The opposite of enthusiasm could be the word apathy. Just apathetic. Indifferent. Take it or leave it kind of attitude. That's what we're talking about when we talk about enthusiasm. And I wrote this down. I think this is important for us to, and I want to show it to you in scripture. I wrote down that a lack of enthusiasm towards God will open the door to the enemy. I don't know if we realize that, because once again, when we think of enthusiasm, we do just think of a personality type, like that's just something not, it's not expected. I hope, and I propose today to show you this word enthusiasm, this enthusiasm that we need to have towards God, it's not a personality type. It's not even just a good suggestion in scripture. It's a biblical mandate. It's a commandment in the word when God says, I want you to have enthusiasm. And so a lack of that enthusiasm will definitely open the door to the enemy. Let me show it to you in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now some of you will recognize this passage in Deuteronomy 28 because what's happening in Deuteronomy 28, God is telling his people, if you'll obey my commands... If you'll just obey my commands, I'm going to pour out blessing on you. You're going to be blessed simply for just obeying what I've asked you to do. In fact, you'll know the passage. It goes, I'm going to bless you in the city. I'm going to bless you in the country. I'm going to bless you coming in. I'm going to bless you going out. I'm going to make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You remember that passage? It says, you obey me. I'm going to do that. But I think sometimes we stop there. And we don't realize he goes on and he says more in Deuteronomy 28. And he says, but if you disobey me, there's going to be curses there. There's going to be things come upon your life, consequences come upon your life because you didn't obey me. But I'm trying to tell you to obey me. He says all of that in Deuteronomy 28. Then we get to this verse, and I wonder if you've ever noticed it. I had never noticed it until I was studying out this word enthusiasm. It says this, Deuteronomy 28 In verse 47 and 48, it says this. If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you've received, you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. That's a powerful statement. God didn't even just say, if you don't serve God, you'll end up serving your enemies. He didn't say that. He said, if you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm, if you don't know that God is in it and it gets expressed, then you will end up serving your enemies, the Bible says. And in that, I love that because I wrote this down, write it down if you're taking notes. God isn't only looking for our commitment to him, he's looking for our enthusiasm for him. So often we can get stuck, and the reason is I know I'm committed to you, God. That's not all he's looking for. He's looking for our enthusiasm for him, and it really does matter. In fact, the secret to defeating the enemy, according to this verse, is our enthusiasm towards God. There's some things that just if I will be enthusiastic towards God, if I have enthusiasm towards the word of God, if I have enthusiasm towards the house of God and the people of God and the things and the ways of God, it will help me resist the enemy in my life that's what Deuteronomy 28 is telling us i want to show you some more verses that talk about this word enthusiasm romans chapter 12 verse 11 says this never be lazy but work hard and serve the lord enthusiastically it says second corinthians chapter 8 verse 7 paul's writing this and he's he's commending all the ways they've excelled and look at one of them he recognizes he says since you excel in so many ways in your faith that's a big deal, right? We're expected to have faith. Your gifted speakers, I mean, he's saying you're good at telling the gospel to other people. Your knowledge, you're good at studying the word and knowing the word. And then he commends them of this, and your enthusiasm. I've noticed your enthusiasm towards God and your love from us. And I want you to excel, he says in that verse. Acts chapter 18, verse 25, it's speaking of a man named Apollos. And it says this, it says about Apollos, he had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit. He wasn't just a good teacher, he had enthusiasm, the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, so, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Here's what he's telling them in this. When you come serve God, do it with enthusiasm. Don't do it because you have to be here. I don't stand here and give the message because I have to there's an enthusiasm. I am so sure that God is in this. I am so sure that his word is true. I am so God inspired. I am so full of God. I am so sure that God is in this that I can't help but do it. That's what enthusiasm does for you. I'm so sure that God is in it that I'm gonna serve him and work for him enthusiastically, not just out of commitment, out of the enthusiasm that bubbles within. And then it goes on, Ephesians chapter six, verse seven says this, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. I wonder how do you show up to work? Oh, she got me. (laughs) Not just working in the house of the Lord. How do I go to work? Enthusiasm shows that God is in it. What do they see when they see me work? Do they say to themselves, Man, I want what she has because God is in her. I want whatever is on you. Give me some of that enthusiasm because God is clearly in it. That's what the Bible's telling us that our enthusiasm makes a big difference. I want to show you a story in the book of Haggai. I love this story. It may be one of my favorites, and I don't know if you've ever recognized this before, but in the book of Haggai, Haggai was a prophet, and the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, they had been encouraging the people of God. The people of God had come out of exile. They'd been allowed to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple after a long time in exile. So now they're rebuilding the people of God. They're rebuilding rebuilding the church, the house of God, the temple in the Old Testament. And so they've been rebuilding this temple. The Bible tells us for about 15 to 20 years they're working on trying to get it built. And it's just not happening. And probably what's happening in Scripture is they had lost something. I propose to you they had lost something, and that's why the temple wasn't getting built. They were no longer building the house of God. They had redirected their attention. Their concerns had become their own homes Their concerns had become their own schedules. Their concerns had become their own hobbies. Their concerns had become their own wealth, their own success. And then we get to Haggai chapter 1 verse 14. Look what happens because they'd lost something. And it says this, so the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel. I love that because it doesn't say so the Lord provided all the materials they were going to need to build the temple. He didn't do that. That's not what got the temple built. It says, The Lord sparked the enthusiasm of the leader of those people and the enthusiasm of Jeshua and the high priest and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. And they began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's army. He sparked their enthusiasm He didn't say, oh, let me just give you all the resources you need. Let me give you more people, then it'll get built. He didn't do any of that. He knew what they were missing. They were missing the enthusiasm they once had. In fact, what the scripture is telling right there, the idea is he stirred it up in them. The reality, the whole literal concept of what's happening is they had gone to sleep. They had become apathetic. They had become complacent. They were no longer concerned about the things of God. And so the Bible says that God supernaturally stirs it up within them. He sparks their enthusiasm. And do you know how long it took them from that time forward? One year. They built the temple. After trying for 20 years, they got the temple built in one year. And the only thing that changed was what? Enthusiasm. Their enthusiasm for the things of God changed. And God sparked it. Can I say this? I prophetically say this over us this morning. It is my mandate this morning of why I wanted to deliver this message. I am asking God, spark the enthusiasm of your people today. Spark it within us, God. Stir it up within us. Whatever we've lost, whatever we wane, whatever we've got bored and complacent in, would you spark it within us? We will get more done. You know, I already mentioned we're going to be celebrating 10 years in September. Can I just say this? If God could spark our enthusiasm today, I bet we could accomplish more in this next year than we did in all 10. He will do it. But we play a role in that. Let me tell you three reasons why we need enthusiasm. Why is God so concerned with enthusiasm in the Bible? Three reasons. It's not an exhaustive list, but... I think it'll stir us up today. Number one, enthusiasm is the great energizer. Have you ever just been around somebody with enthusiasm, especially enthusiasm towards God? Does, isn't it just energizing? Some of you are like, no, it's really annoying. <laughs> That's because you have zero. <laughs> In Jesus' name, come alive. <laughs> Kyle's not here. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> he will clean it all up next time. But it's a great energizer. You know, nobody ever sat down for a job interview and you asked the interviewee, so, like, what are you gonna bring to this workplace? You know, probably nothing right? Like, like, are you hiring that person? But the person that sits down and they're excited about it, there's an expression of it, there's something stirring on the inside of them, God feels the same way about his people. When we come into the house of God, when we go out to our workplaces, when we're in our marriages, can I just encourage you that some enthusiasm would energize our marriages, Are we looking for some energy? Enthusiasm energizes it. It brings a supernatural impartation of energy when I realize God is in this. God is in this. God is a part of this. God has inspired this. That is exciting news. And there's an expression of that. Now we're all different in how we're going to express it, but I'm just saying there should be an energy level that's there. Because Anytime enthusiasm is present, it's going to be a great energizer. You know, a long long time ago, maybe five years ago, I was in college, and, um, I've confused so many new people to the church because I told them I was 25 last week and now I'm only five years out of college. No, I'm a little further than that. But in college, I did track. I loved track and field. And so I did it all the way through high school. And then I got to college and I actually wasn't going to do track. My high school coach had moved to this college and was now the track college coach. And I remember first day of school, she comes to me of college. She comes and she finds me. She said, Justina, you have to be on this team. And I looked at her, and I remember her name was Coach Vavra. Coach Vavra, I'm not good enough to be on this team, honestly. I don't know if I can hang at the college level. I'm, I was a sprinter. And, uh, and so, you know, there, I had a lot of things against me for sprinting. These little short legs, there's a lot of things against me. And so, anyway, I was like, I don't know if I can hang. And she's like, no, you can do it. I'm going to give you a scholarship. I want you on this team. And so I'm thinking, man, I'm more talented than I thought. And so I'm like, okay, well, I can't argue with that. I'll do it. I will, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run on the team. And I did. I did a whole year on the track team that year, and she gave me a scholarship for it. And I ran my little heart out that year, and I lost every event. <laughs> I never won once. But anyway, it was, a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time doing it. And then I decided, though, at the end of that freshman year, I'm like, you know, that wasn't really that much fun to lose so much, so it's not my thing to lose. So I don't think I'm going to do that next year so I told my coach I said listen I just and I had had ACL surgery in high school so my knee was kind of acting up I wasn't totally physically healthy and so I said you know I don't think I'm going to do it this year and she looked at me she goes I have to have you on this team I'm like what is going on I don't feel like I'm as good as she thinks I am and so I remember she looked at she said okay fine you don't have to sprint I will give you a scholarship if you'll pole vault and I said, I've never pole vaulted a day in my life. I've never even held a pole. I, I don't know what's going on. And I said, done, I'll do it. So I start practicing, and I'm going to be a pole vaulter on this team. And, and, and as the, the, the year goes, you know, actually I was doing quite well. I had the school record. Kyle hates when I tell this story. I said, I had the school record. He goes, you never did a meet. I go, yeah, but in practice, I basically had the school record. I just can't prove it. And so anyway, what had happened, even before the first meet, I tore the same ACL again. And so I ended up having to go through all of that again. And so obviously this time I was really done. And I went to the coach. And I, I remember I'm, I said, I'm so sorry I let you down. And she said, listen, I didn't want you on the team because you could be a good pole vaulter, though I thought you could have. I wanted you on the team for your enthusiasm. You energize this team. You make this team better. You make this team do more than they would do without you on it. And so now she's like, I'm going to keep you on this team. You can do rehab with us. You do workout. Like she just kept keeping me on the team and wanted me, all because of the enthusiasm. It energized the rest of the team and caused them to go further. I call you Christians, To a new level of enthusiasm that would bring energy to your workplace, energy to this church, energy to our city. We are all lulled to sleep a little bit. We're all feeling a little down. I'm just proposing if we'll let God spark our enthusiasm, it will bring an energy to your physical body that you haven't had in years, but you could use a little of. Because enthusiasm is the great energizer. The second thing enthusiasm does for us is this. Enthusiasm is the great enticer. When we have enthusiasm towards God, it will entice others to want what we have. Why do you think the church in Acts grew by the thousands? Yes, the Spirit of God fell. Yes, the Holy Spirit is present. I propose they had some enthusiasm that we could get some of. They were so enthusiastic about God, you could not shut them up. They would not stop talking about it. They were so enthused about what the Holy Spirit was doing that they would just walk up on somebody and go, Are you saved? Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And the Bible says these people are like, We don't even know what you're talking about. They were so enthusiastic about what God was doing that the church grew by the thousands at a time. Because enthusiasm is a great enticer. It entices others to want what God's giving us. It entices others to want to be a part of the house of God, to want to be a part of the family of God, to want to be a part of what God's doing in our city, to want to be a part of serving others, to want to be a part of being generous. Enthusiasm will entice others to be a part of it. It'll work in your marriage too, by the way. Enthusiasm brings the energy and it entices us to stay where God wants us to stay. Enthusiasm's a great enticer. The third one is this enthusiasm is the great eliminator. When I know that God is in it, you can't tell me why He won't. You can't tell me why He can't. You can't tell me what can't be done. When I know God is in it, because in the enthusiasm on the inside of me will stir and boil to the point that there is no obstacle that's gonna keep us from believing God can do anything. No miracle that we don't believe God can do because of our enthusiasm, because we so know that God is in it and God is faithful and God is true to His promises that it will eliminate some of the things I'm letting hold me back. It'll eliminate some of the roadblocks in my marriage and in my life and in my parenting and in my school and in my workplace it will eliminate some of the doubts and the fears that you're facing on a daily on a regular it will eliminate you growing and growing and growing with Jesus because enthusiasm is the great eliminator it'll energize us it'll entice us it'll eliminate some things from our life but I want us to know this there's a high cost to low enthusiasm There's a high cost to low enthusiasm. In fact, let me show it to you in a passage in the Bible, and it's in Revelation chapter 3. And in Revelation, Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches. And in all those letters, go back and read them. That's your homework today. That's your reading plan this week, okay? Go back and read the letters to the churches. See what you see in them. See what Jesus was saying in them. But Jesus, through John, penned these seven letters to seven churches. And in all of those churches, he basically would give a, con, a, a condemnation, like not a condemnation, um, a compliment, whatever that word is. He would give a compliment to them of something they were doing well. Then he would correct them on something they needed to do better. And then he would give them a next step and he would always say, always say all seven letters to him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Every seven letter. Well, when you get to the last letter in Revelation chapter 3, we get to this church, to the church in Laodicea, some pronounce it Laodicea, to the church in Laodicea, Jesus writes, and he's writing this letter to Laodicea. Here's what I, let me just spoiler alert up front. You're going to know the term. He's talking to the lukewarm church. You remember it? You've heard it before? And he's going to write a letter to this church. And I wonder if he's writing it to us today. And he says this, Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write. Now the angel of the church, that most scholars agree, that meant the pastor of the church. So he's writing this letter. Jesus is writing a letter to the leader of the church to make sure that he delivers to the church a message for everyone. And he says this, these are the words of the amen. Pause there. I don't know if you know what amen means, what you thought it meant. It just means truth. So, anytime something good is said from the platform and you hear somebody shout amen, it's not a charismatic thing. It's actually in agreement with truth. I'm saying that's truth and I agree with it. That's truth, and I agree with it. I'm telling you, some of you would have some sparked enthusiasm if you opened your mouth in church. You didn't know you could. It's okay, you can do that. Amen? Amen. Do you feel the enthusiasm on that? That's what amen means, and Jesus is calling himself the amen. He is the amen. He is the truth. The faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And he says this, I know your deeds, I love that because he doesn't say, I know your heart. I know what's in your heart, sweet son or daughter. He doesn't say that. He says, I see how you're acting it out. I see your deeds. I see your expression of. We have to be really careful because we'll give ourselves permission to say, oh, I know what's in my heart. Cool. But the Bible says from the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak, the body will move, you will act. There's an expression of what's in my heart, and Jesus is pointing that out, and he's still talking about enthusiasm here, and he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Who wants to hear that from Jesus? No. And in fact, the English version here is being very kind. That word spit, it means projectile vomit you out. That's what he's saying. I'm going to vomit you out because you're lukewarm. And then it goes on and and he says, you say... I am rich and I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. I love that he reminds them that as he writes the letter. Anytime the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you of something, can you remember that one line? Those I love I correct. That shouldn't make you feel bad that Jesus had to correct you. It doesn't make me feel bad that Jesus has to correct me. He does. On a daily, he has to correct me. Because why? Because those he loves, he corrects and disciplines, he says. And so he's telling that church, he says, I see your deeds and you're lukewarm and I really want to vomit you out right now. But because I love you, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to warn you and I'm going to tell you what to do next. And he says, that, he says those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Other versions say, so be zealous and repent. So be enthusiastic and repent, the Bible's saying. Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I wanna pause there in verse 20. He says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Now it's okay that we as the church use that to talk about unbelievers, but can I remind you who he's talking to right now? He's talking to the church, these aren't unbelievers. He's not standing at the door of the heart of the unbeliever knocking saying please let me in. He's at the door of his bride. He's at the church's door knocking saying I stand out here and he's probably wondering why am I out here not in there? I stand at the door and I knock. And if you'll let me in, I will come be a part of what you're doing. I'll come sit at the table with you. I'll come dine with you. I'll come eat a meal with you. I'll come fellowship with you, he says. I stand at the door and I want to come in. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I love this story, but I want to give you a little context to understand, because maybe you've heard it said before, and, and we, we say hot and cold. Jesus says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And we think that it, hot means that on-fire, passionate Christian, and we think cold means the one that doesn't want anything to do with God. But why, I want you to think, just in context of Scripture, why would Jesus rather then somebody be lukewarm whom we see as they're they're a Christian, they're a follower, but they're real apathetic. They're indifferent. There's no real expression of it. They could take it or leave it, the things of God. And we think that Jesus is saying, I'd rather you not be saved than be lukewarm. That wouldn't line up with anything in Scripture. Nowhere would that be Jesus' heart. And so I just want to share with you, hot means, when he says, I wish you were hot, hot is invigorating. It's healing. It's it's medicinal, and then cold means refreshing. You ever needed a cold drink on a hot day, and then it refreshes you. It's when something is parched, when something is dry. I need refreshed in this moment. He says, "I wish you were either invigorating or refreshing to the unbelievers that are watching you, church, but you're lukewarm, and it makes me want to spit you out." He says. Now here's why he used those terms with that church. The church of Laodicea knew exactly what he was saying, and let me tell you why. You need to know geographically the context of what Jesus is saying. The church of Laodicea, the city of Laodicea, had a, another church, um, I'm sorry, another city, Hieropoly, that was like a, a few miles away, and they had another city called Colossae. Does Colossae sound familiar? The book of Colossians, right? That Paul wrote to Colossae, the church in Colossae. He wrote a letter to them. And what I'll just, fun fact, if you go read Colossians, I think it's chapter three, I think, I think. And he write Paul writes this letter and he tells the Colossians, hey, I want you to make sure you show this letter to the church of Laodicea. And I want you to read the letter I wrote to Laodicea, too. Did you know Paul wrote this church a letter? It didn't make the Bible. I don't know why. Maybe Paul was really mad at them at that point, and God's like, I can't even put that in there now. I don't know. I don't know why. But interesting, they've already, so here we are later, years later, and they're in this state. But at one time, Paul was writing them letters to encourage them because they were following God. But the reason he used these cities is, is um, the, one city was known for their hot springs. And Laodicea had no water supply. They were wealthy. They had a lot of things. In fact, they were known, this this church, not the church, but the city of Laodicea, they were known for their medical clinic that specialized in eye treatment. They were known for their textiles that specialized in making these clothes out of black wool. And they were wealthy. They had a banking, the best banking system. They were known for those three things. Do you remember what Jesus got onto them about? He said, you are poor even though they're known for their banking, you are naked, even though they're known for their clothing supply, and you are blind, even though they were known for healing eyes. Interesting, isn't it? Because somewhere along the way, this church became so self-sufficient So self-preferenced. Let me just think about myself. Let me keep building on myself right now. Let's keep, here's what it looks like to be successful. They had abandoned the things of God somewhere along the way. They had become lukewarm towards God in their enthusiasm. And so now Jesus is saying this. So why why he used the water supply was one, the hot springs, they would pipe in water that was hot from one city into theirs. And then they would pipe in the water in Colossae was known for cold. They had cold water that they would pipe in. So one was hot springs they were gonna bring to their city. One were cold that they were gonna bring to the city. What temperature do you think it was by the time it got to Laodicea? It was lukewarm. It was lukewarm and it had so much of the minerals from the piping systems in it that if you drank it, it would cause you to vomit. Jesus knew what he was saying when he gave the example to this church. They knew exactly what he meant by it. They had used this by the time you were hot, but now you're lukewarm. You were cold and refreshing, but now you're lukewarm. And I need you to wake up, he says. I need to see your enthusiasm and I need you to repent. I need you to get back to the zeal you had. Where did the fire go? Where did the passion go? Where did the enthusiasm towards God go? Where did the enthusiasm for the church go where did the enthusiasm for giving and serving go where did the enthusiasm in your worship where you couldn't help but lift your hands for what god has done for you go where did it go and the idea was that hot it means to boil over where did the boiling go when did it simmer down when did the fire go out And he's giving this warning to the church, but he's encouraging them at the same time. And he's saying, you don't have to stay there. If you'll let me spark your enthusiasm, you will see me start to move again. If you will let God spark the enthusiasm in your marriage, I pray it all the time. God, I need a supernatural spark of enthusiasm for my spouse because I never want it to go out. Here's what happens when we let the enthusiasm go out. We start looking at everybody else thinking they're the problem that we don't feel hyped up. They're the problem that I don't feel energized. They're the problem that I don't feel what I used to feel at one time. I'm just proposing. I'm not saying that's not ever the truth, but the truth is it might be in me. What if some enthusiasm has left me? There's something about regaining the enthusiasm I once had for my parenting, for my job and my workplace, for my, for my spouse, for my relationships and my friendships, for serving in the house of God, for worshiping in the house of God, for reading my Bible, for praying and seeking the Lord. When I let it get stirred up on the inside of me, all those emotions that I felt will follow They'll follow suit in that. And God wants to spark some enthusiasm in this place, and it will energize us. It will entice the lost to want to be here. It will eliminate some of the roadblocks that we keep coming against. Enthusiasm, enthusiasm. God is in this place. God is in your marriage. God is in your parenting. God is inside of you. And it can be expressed. And so let me share this as we get ready to close. I want to answer this question. So how do we maintain our enthusiasm? How do we maintain our enthusiasm? Four quick things. The first one is we have to take responsibility for our own enthusiasm. Don't wait for somebody else to stir your enthusiasm. You have to stir it up yourself. If I need to go back to the word and start reading my Bible again or I need to start spending time on my face before the Lord again or I need to start spending time investing intentionally back into my marriage. I need to take responsibility for my own enthusiasm level. Otherwise, I'll just think if anytime I come in the house of God, I'll think it was the worship team's fault or it was the message's fault or it was the volunteer's fault that I didn't feel anything when I left. What? No the spirit of the living God is on the inside of you. Let it come out. Get enthusiastic about him. You go ahead and express him in your own way and you watch as it energizes everyone around you, as it energizes the room, as it energizes the other volunteers on the team, as it energizes the kids department, as it energizes your workplace. Don't wait for somebody else to spark you up. Man! The other day, it was uh, we were on vacation two weeks ago and it was a Sunday morning and my mom has an RV and she loves to camp and I'm going to be honest I'm a little too snooty for that I don't know how else to say it that bed is not comfortable enough for me I'm too old so I had a hotel room but all my kids were staying in the RV praise the Lord so me and Kyle were at the hotel, and the, the kids were at the RV, and I woke up, and I had a terrible migraine, and I so bad wanted to go to my church. I have a pastor. Um, the church is James River Church in Springfield, Missouri, and it will forever be my pastor. It will forever. I, I love that place. And. God's doing cool things there too, and so I wanted. I'm in town. I want to go. It was about an hour and a half from me, but I was ready to make the drive because I'm enthusiastic, right? To be in the house of God, and we always do on vacation. And that day, I just had a terrible. I was not feeling good at all. So, we we turned on church online, which we would do anyway, and we watched Experience Church online. It was awesome, great day, and, and we did that. And then we go out to the campground. Where, where my mom was and, and the kids were. And we go out to this um, campground, and I'm in the RV and I hear music playing. And I'm like, what is that? It's early morning, you know, so at the campground. And so I'm sure nobody else was happy. But I hear this music, I'm like, what's that? My mom goes, oh, they're having a church service. I go, for real? I'm going, and I pop out of the RV. Like, I don't even invite the rest of the family. I don't tell anybody where I'm going. I don't say anything. I'm like, I'm going to church today, and I go walking out there, and they're under this little shelter, right? They're in this shelter, and and they're playing the keys, and they got some drums, and there's all this music going, and I'm going to be like, I want to be a little setback because I need an out, (laughs) let's be honest. You know, like, if this isn't the church of Jesus, then I don't, you know, I don't know what kind of church this is. So I'm going to take it out. I'm standing back, but they spot me. They spot me, and out they come running to me, these ladies, beautiful ladies. And they come, and they start speaking Spanish to me. And I'm thinking, how do you say I don't speak Spanish in Spanish? But I don't know how to say I don't speak Spanish in Spanish. So I'm like, no How do you say Spanish? I don't know what you're saying to me. You know? And they're like, come, 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 come. And so they sweep me up into the shelter. Next thing I know, I'm a part of the church service. I'm the special guest at the church service that day. And we start worshiping. And I need you to know, not one word was in English. I still have no idea what we sang. Not one word of the message was in English. I have no idea. But there was some enthusiasm there. And all I knew is if you love Jesus and I love Jesus, it doesn't matter what language we do this in. It doesn't matter what expression we give it. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to worship Jesus with, I'll give you all I've got right here, God. And so I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever been to a a Spanish service like this, but you don't stop clapping ever. Doesn't matter how fast or slow the song, you clap the whole time. And I kept thinking it was the last song. Oh, that wasn't the last song. We were just getting started, baby. And so, you know, we just kept, and I, we were clapping and shouting. And I'm just like, I don't even know what we're saying, but I just agree in faith with you in this. And we just go through it. And then we get to the message part. And this cute little keyboardist girl, young girl, she comes and she sits by me and she goes, I'm going to translate for you. I go, Praise the Lord. Okay. And so I'm sitting here and like, I'm in shorts and a hat and my family keeps running up in their swimsuits. I'm like, get out of here, I'm in church. Keep coming swimsuits to church. (laughs) Kyle's bringing me money in his swimsuit because I said, I need money for the offering. Okay, just picture this whole scene. And so the girl sits down by me and she's like, I'm gonna treat sleep for you. And I mean, the pastor, Pastor Alex, he said at least 10 minutes of stuff. She's not said anything yet. Then she looks at me, she goes, he's talking about Jesus. I'm like, I got that part. I did get that part. I figured that. Jesus, I got that one. And she couldn't keep up either, so I still don't know what the message was totally about. It was actually about a little bit about what we're talking about. It was talking about just be the church. You can be it anywhere. It doesn't matter what we sound like. It doesn't matter what instruments. It doesn't matter what music. It doesn't matter what the message. We are the church, and we can get excited about it because God is in us. God is in you. God is in me. And when you bring that together, there's something that the enemy cannot come against. The enthusiasm of God's people. Stand to your feet. Finally, let me give you the last three and I'm out of time. Hang around enthusiastic people. Better be careful who you're hanging with. They'll suck it out of you or they'll impart it to you. And if you're starting to lose some, you better take stock of who you're around because enthusiasm is contagious. Maintain an awe of what God is doing. May we never lose the awe of what God is doing. What God is doing in your personal life, what God is doing in my personal life, what God is doing in this house. We have never in 10 years gone a Sunday without people getting saved, ever. Like praise God for that. Last weekend we had 14 people decide to get water baptized spontaneously out there. We worship. Our students, our kids of all ages led the whole church in worship and in the message. Man, God, never, ever lose the awe of what God is doing. Because if we do, I don't want him to say, I want to spit you out. No, you'll find your praise here, Jesus. You'll find wonder and awe and miracles here because we have the faith to believe you. Finally, this, this is what you got to do. Be filled with the Spirit that supernatural spark of enthusiasm. Remember, enthusiasm is God in you. We need to be continuously filled with the Spirit. Not a week goes by that I don't say, Holy Spirit, fill me fresh. Holy Spirit, fill me overflowing. I feel dry, I feel a little apathetic, I feel a little complacent. When I do, I know I need to be full of the Spirit. God, fill me with your Spirit. And so all around the room, I wanna pray a prayer over you if you wanna be filled with the Spirit right now. You just say, I need a fresh filling of the Spirit. I need God to spark my enthusiasm in my workplace, in the church, in my kids, in me, in my marriage. If that's you, just lift your hand towards heaven. God's gonna supernaturally do some sparking today. He's gonna light some fires. He's gonna stir some things. We're gonna see some things boil over simply because we're gonna heed and surrender to him. Right now, Father, here we are, your sons and your daughters. We give you all that we have right now, and we just ask that you would spark the spirit within us. Holy Spirit, fill us up fresh. Holy Spirit, have your way. May you be full and overflowing from us. May you stir the enthusiasm with us. May we recognize that you are in us, God. You are in this place. You are in our families. You are in our city, and we give you all the glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Do what only you can do by your spirit right now, Father. We surrender to your word right now. And all around the room, put your hands down for just a second. If you would say you've never given your life to Jesus, you've just never, or you did, but you've long walked away. You do not even know if you're committed to Jesus, but you want to be. Right where you are, lift your hand towards heaven. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Wherever you are, pray this in your heart. Today, Jesus, I give you my life. All that I am, I surrender to you. May you come and live on the inside of me. Wash me clean of my sins. I repent now. And may you show me how to live. I give you everything I have now, Jesus. Would you lead me and guide me for the rest of my days? In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, can you give a shout of praise to Jesus? He's so worthy.
0: Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not... That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew. Their strength They shall mount Up on wings Like an eagle And soar. They shall walk And not get weary They shall run And not faint That's what happens when you wait That's what happens when you wait Oh, they that wait They that wait On the Lord Shall renew Their strength they shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not can weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that way. Stronger. That's what happens when you wait. You get a little bit stronger. That's what happens when you. Wake. joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.